Cam Newton, Heisman Trophy winner, college national champion, NFL MVP. When football season comes, I'm going to be the most prepared player ever. Born in College Park, Georgia, Newton was obsessed with football at a young age, even sleeping in his uniform the night before the game. Shoulder pads, everything tucked in and ready and just... <laughs> he shares the ups and downs of school, from leaving the University of Florida for a small community college. How much consideration did you give to quitting football then? Never thought about quitting. I always thought about how in the hell am I going to get up out of here. To a national title at Auburn, to the pay-for-play investigation that tarnished his family's name. When my father was slandered in the media, it was devastating for me. Newton admits he grew a lot over his career. You really didn't know how to lose when you first got to the NFL. I was so young and like a raging lion coming into like a, a meat house. <laughs> and shows us some secrets from inside the huddle. Give an example of a play you would call in the huddle first one that you'd call at the line of scrimmage. Really? <laughs> in our 2015 interview, Newton joined us live in front of hundreds of fans in Charlotte, North Carolina. All that's coming up next right here on the In-Depth with Graham Bensinger podcast. You've been very open about kind of your evolution as a leader, starting with when you first came into the league as a rookie and growing into the man you are today. I think you were 13 and 19 your first two years in the league with the Panthers, and this coming after you win three consecutive national championships with varying programs right. in college. And you said before, you really didn't know how to lose when you first got to the NFL. What do you mean by that? I didn't, I mean, for so long, like, I was living in a dream. I was living in, in, in like a, a fantasy land, so to speak, but it, it was all off hard work, dedication is, is you know, great team teamwork. But yeah, it was it was hard when I came to the NFL. Everything changed from the, the type of players that you was around, the, the, the mentality of the players and, and also the hunger for the game. Whether I throw six touchdowns or six interceptions that that following week, I'm going to get paid. And not only for myself, for everybody else. So it was hard for me to make this transition from coming from one, a peer-oriented locker room, meaning if I'm, I was 21 at the time, and at my last year at Auburn, and everybody else was 21, 20, 19, 22, around that, that age group. And it was easy to um, kind of relate to them, so to speak, to say, hey, listen, hey, I need you. Or, you know, it, was, it wasn't much to lead, you know, because you, it, you was always around each other uh, off the field. But now when I came to the NFL, that was a problem because mm -hmm. here I am, I have the likeness of 35 year olds, 28 year olds, 25, and I'm 22 right. trying to be a leader of men. Not only that, they're going to get paid regardless. Will they give up a sack? Will they get sacks? Whether they work hard, whether they gain weight, whether they lose weight, or it doesn't matter. So it was hard for me to transition and then on top of that, lose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, 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 you get my gist, you know what I'm saying? It was so much, and, and, and for, 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 for me, especially uh, being an athlete or, or entertainer or you know, a person that has an influence in, in, in the television realm, sometimes I feel like we are cheated due to the fact that you, you, are, in, you are in a position where what you do and what you say and how you do it and, and, and who are you with gets critiqued at its highest power. 
But yet, you, if you retaliate, it's, 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 it's a bad thing. Well, so kind of along those lines, explain the situation where your deflators, as you call them, your dad right. and your brother, right. uh, sit you down after a press conference one time and have you watch a YouTube clip. Well, um, what people don't realize, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm human, right? I, I still need eight hours of sleep. I still like to eat. I like Jamba Juice like a lot of you guys. <laughs> like to eat. you have a sponsor deal with Jamba Juice? I do not. Hey, <laughs> you better get one now. Hey, listen. <laughs> listen, Linda. Linda. Hey. <laughs> but no, it's, um, you know, I just, I just like the, the, the things that everyone else likes. But yet, yeah, it's, it's people that I call them behind the scenes, or my deflator, so to speak, is, is, is keeps me going on a day-to-day basis. And these are um, family members, my father, my brother, uh, close friends, and e- even teammates at times, because I've had teammates over the years that has had a big impact on the man and the person who I am on the field. And uh, you know, I'll, you can't thank them enough for um, how much they've helped you. I watched a November uh, 2013 interview you gave where you said, you're just a different man now than you were your first couple seasons in the league. You said, you know, the little things that you thought were unimportant back then, you since realized are important, whether that be arriving early, taking notes at meetings. You said, you know, if I want to get a bag of chips, I can't get one just for myself, but I got to get one for everybody. How did you used to receive those suggestions then, and how do you take them now? Well, for me, especially when I came in the league, I was so young and like a raging lion coming into like a, a meat house. <laughs> uh, you know, I just wanted to win. And you know, I was just like, yeah, it don't matter what team I'm going on, I'm going to win. Because for so long, throughout that three-year span, that's how I felt. Mm-hmm. You know, it was kind of like getting picked up for a kickball game. And it was like, okay, first pick, um, yeah, Cam, I want Cam. And it was like, since I'm on the team, we're going to win, right? And it kind of like pushed And did you, you really thought that? I, I honestly did. You know, I worked my tail off. I'm kicking balls. And I'm like, man, look, do you see this leg? I'm just teasing. I'm, just, I'm big on analogies, by the way. But... It was it was it was kind of that it was kind of that that feel though. It was like if I'm on this team, we're bound to win. There's a lot of things in sports. It's it's something that happens by default. And one of them, quarterbacks, defaultly are leaders, whether you want to or not. And the good thing about those three years of winning, I've never you know I was at the University of Florida, I was at Blaine Junior College, then I went to um, Auburn University. And those years, it's like back-to-back-to-back-to-back success, and it's like, wow. But yet, throughout that time, I'm only spending relationships for 365 days. Mm-hmm. I don't think people realize... This is the first time you've ever been in a place for more than a year. I've actually been in a place for more than 365 years days. Yeah. So it was kind of like, okay, I spent some time with a person, all right, but I'm, I'm, I'm in the back of my mind knowingly I'm not going to be here long. That's, for so long, that's how my mentality was. But now I got a chance to sink my teeth in. I didn't know how to do it. So getting, getting coached up by a Jordan Gross, getting coached up by John Beeson when he was here, uh, Steve Smith when he was here. You know, those guys really took me under their wing and said, listen, bro, you can't, it, it, it's bigger than you. You gotta understand, and especially if you're trying to be great. You know, the greats that has played this game from Brett Favre to Joe Montana to Peyton Manning to, you know, uh, 
to Tom Brady, the list goes on. Aaron Rodgers, these are, are my competition now. Mm -hmm. You know, the people that I had posters of, and I went back home and taking it all down. <laughs> gonna lose, you know. But now, you know, it's 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 reality, you know. And and uh, for me to understand my leadership role and what I'm uh, what I owe to others, you know, keeps me on my p's and q's every day. I want to take you back to when you were. Growing up, as people might suspect, he was a bit of a jokester. Oh man! Even back then, uh, and when, when you would get in trouble at school, is it true you'd come to school the next day in a three-piece suit and shiny dress shoes? So I'll tell you this. All right. <laughs> Honest to God, the type of jokester I was, I was never disrespectful, right? I just wanted attention, and attention, whether it was a girl in my class, whether it was homeboys, I'd just do something, stand up put my pants up extremely high, walk around, like that type of fun. Now, when I see nowadays, these kids, I wouldn't even touch it. I was, I was a Yale student compared to these kids. Right. But anyway, that's, a, that's, that's, an, that's another story. But yeah, my mom, you know, she threatened me. She said, you know, son, I'm not gonna keep, you know, putting you on punishment because that's not sinking in. You know what? My father's a preacher. Uh, so he said, you know what, next time that teacher calls me and say that you're not, you're, she's having problems with you sitting down in class, you're going to wear your church clothes to school. And you know, you can do some things, you can do some things to your mom that you can't do with your dad. Like, oh, mama, come on. Come on, all right. And then as soon as dad come on, I was like, yes, sir. Yeah. I, I, it was really Blake's fault, but, uh, yeah. you know, but, you know, Pop comes home, he's tired, he's like, yeah, Slim, that's my, my mom's nickname, Slim, yeah, going to take care of him. I said, all right, don't worry about it, I'm about to iron your clothes for the first day, for the whole week you're wearing church clothes. <laughs> and that's what I was, down to the, to the top, to the bottom, I mean, I had the socks, to the pink shoes, <laughs> pink bow tie, none of it fit, but I was still just, <laughs> oh man. Wearing my bra, I mean, I wore out of clothes. I was wearing my brother's stuff. I was in there. Couldn't tell me nothing, but still I found a way to be lighthearted in school. So you mentioned your dad, a preacher. He also made it to the NFL. Yes, you have sir. an older brother who played briefly, uh, you know, in the NFL. So football at an early age was something I know that was important in your life. Is it true, eight years old, I, I think you're four foot eight, nearly 100 pounds already? Um, but explain why sometimes you wouldn't eat for an entire day before okay. the game. Now, how are you getting this information? <laughs> we got our crack oh investigator. This is CIA right here, but the, the show is called In Depth. So In Depth, all caps, exclamation points too, right? Uh, but growing up, I played at uh, North Clayton Park, which is now Flash Shows in Atlanta, Georgia. When I was at North Clayton. I played in a, a conference where you didn't go by age. It was by weight. And I've always been the youngest, but the biggest player on my team. And I was always the player where, you know, the coach from the opposing team would stand and watch us. Like, all right, step up. All right, 60 pounds. All right, good. All right, step up. <laughs> 70 pounds. How old you say this boy was? <laughs> I was that kid. So I would always, uh, right after school, will go walk around the neighborhood and even run with a trash bag on, trying to drain just so I could play. I've always because had- Because if you were over certain weight, you wouldn't overweight, be able to play. I, I've, I've, okay. I've numerous times where I could not play due to the fact I was not 
the um, the proper um, weight. But you know, I would do everything from eating a laxative to trying to do. To listen, <laughs> listen. <laughs> Football is life, right? <laughs> you know, I slept it, and even even times, you know, my pop, my father would tell you, you know, I went to sleep dressed to the T and, and ready to for my football game the next day. I mean, I had the cleats on, tied up, tied up. Socks, I didn't have my helmet on. I probably would have had a nightmare, but shoulder pads, everything tucked in and ready and just <laughs> sleep just like that. The pop wakes up, boy, what in the world? Pop, I'm ready, I'm ready to go. Yeah, so that's a little bit about me. I mean, it's born to play. What and, is this, uh, by the way? These Right here? Yeah. This, you got all these bands If on. I have another person try to rip this off thinking that this is last night's club entry fee, <laughs> I'm gonna go. But this is, everyone knows I got into a car accident. And uh, this is still the band that they gave me that particular day. Wow. Oh, I know, yeah. <laughs> but it, it just reminds me that, um, you know, life is short. Why, 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 why am I complaining? You know, because that day, it could have easily be, been taken away from me. So. Every time I look down at my wrist, that's, that's my reality check for life. It's like, why am I complaining? You know, when I look up and, and, and see others having it worse than me, and, and all I got to do is just be reminded by my left wrist. What do you remember from that day? I mean, your truck flips multiple times. You're taken away in surprisingly, a stretcher. Surprisingly, the outcome was not what was portrayed for what well, it wasn't how I envisioned it to be. I was so calm and I'm, I'm a firm believer, you know, I'm Christian. Uh, Jesus is the head of my life and will always be. And the thing that, that I pray for each and every day is, is, is having awareness. And when I, when the guy hit me, I was so aware. It was, I was, and I couldn't stop trying to press the brake. And if you knew where I, uh, the wreck happened, it was right off the bridge. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I gotta stop this car. I'm flipping. Mm -hmm. And I try to bring the jokes in to, 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 to keep it from you know, being such tenderhearted. But I was flipping and twisting. And I'm like, Cam, now I'm looking at like, how in the world was you gonna stop a car that's flipping? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pressing the brake, but I kept trying to press it. And I was, you know, thank God for a seatbelt. I'm just pressing up off my seat because I'm flipping around, twisting around, just like a gymnast. And when it stopped, it's kind of like I was just sitting right up, like, oh, all right, okay, I'm done. <laughs> so, and, and go out the back window. Why'd they take you out on a stretcher then? I did not want to be stretched okay. in, in a stretcher, but the officer said it would be of my best interest to go um, on the paramedics because if there was any ailment afterwards, right. you could, you could uh, verify it being that it's done in that span rather than coming up two weeks later, hold up, hold up, no, my back, right. my neck, no, dude, this dude owe me. No, nah, it was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, funny story, but no, no, no. Give an example of a play you would call in the huddle versus one that you'd call at the line of scrimmage? Really? <laughs> All right, here we go. You, you, you want it, right? All right, here we go. I want it. All right, so 
in a, in a particular play, you get it in the headphones. That's, that's the, the, the difference in college and you know, the NFL. They give you the play in the headphones, kind of like wearing a pair of Dre, Dre Beats out on the field, right? So I get the play. Here we go. Here we go. We got twins right, key left, 631 smash, chef track, sneak. Hey, alert. If he press you, I wanna, I'm going to check my hand. If I open palm, that's a fade. If I give you the slant signal, that's a slant. All right, here we go one more time. We got 631 smash, F track, sneak on one, alert the smash on one. Ready? So, what right. are you saying there? So, <laughs> listen. So, it's twins. What I say, twins left or twins right? It don't matter. So, if it's twins right, because the formation may change, you can, you can tomato, tomato, you can run right or you can run left. So, in, in, our, in, our particular, um, in our particular gamut of, of, of plays, our X receiver is our guy, right? So we want to get him matched up on the cornerback one-on-one, right? So if it's a look that I like, I come to the line of scrimmage. Usually it's probably 12 to 14 seconds left on the play clock. So you probably get the Omaha, Omaha from Peyton, but you know, usually. <laughs> I, don't, I don't got that in my repertoire yet. So, I was, so I'm gonna have everybody really wearing their binoculars. <laughs> Oh, Chelsea, he just gave him a fade signal. <laughs> so I give, him the, I give him the open palm. If it's one-on-one, meaning if it's him singled up and it's probably no help from the safety. Because I think of it as if he's one-on-one, all he has to do is beat the cornerback. And all I have to do is beat the safety. See what I'm saying, Graham? Are you I, hear me? I, I think right. I'm getting it. So the safety's rolling down to the right side, Graham, and this safety's going to the top of the, or the middle of the field. Nine times out of 10, the pressure is coming from the right side. So I told Khalil 58 to Mike, now I want to Ringo it to slide the line to the right side. So when I'm trying to set the safety up, I can have protection, slide the line to the right, so I can throw this touchdown to Benji, all right? So 58 to Mike, easy, easy, easy. Hey, Ringo, Ringo, Ringo. Three, two, set, boom, I give him a little pump fake. Benji's one-on-one. <laughs> All right, so after high school, you're top recruit. You end up uh, going to University of Florida where you actually right. back up Heisman Trophy winner Tim Tebow right. for two years. The uh, Last year, you guys win a national championship. I think it was... Uh, then Florida, and this is kind of funny now, but uh, right. obviously not then, then Florida head coach Urban Meyer actually said to your dad at the time, he didn't think you had the it factor. Um, right. So you leave Florida, you and your dad drive uh, cross country to Blinn Junior College, which is located in Texas, somewhere between Austin and Houston. Graham, you're really spooking me out right Why? now. <laughs> I, I know a lot about you, don't that's, I? That's pretty cool, that's pretty impressive. Um, and, you know, you, you get there, and a year before, you're used to playing with some of the biggest names in college football, right. and I think you were Googling your new teammates' names on the internet before yes. you met them, and there was nothing. Nothing. How it humbling was, was that? Search was probably a doctor in Austin, Texas, <laughs> a couple of masseuses out in, you know, Montana somewhere, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, it was extremely humbling, and especially coming from such a superior uh, a school in University of Florida where you get everything. I mean, you get you know, wristbands, cleats for free, 
Uh, you go out places, everybody knows your name. Cam, yeah, what's up, girl? Yeah, all right, cool, boom. <laughs> sign this, yeah, I sign that right there, boom. Hey, hey, listen, hey, I'm coming back tomorrow. Da, da, da. You suddenly had to wash your own practice jerseys. Dude, you had to do all that. <laughs> so I went from a place where I, I just put it in a mesh bag, tied up, and if I'm in a bad mood, psh, I ain't tied up. Here, boom. Right. You know what I'm saying? To nice, you know, tied up, boom. Hey, my man, yeah, watch that for me. Appreciate that. Hey, can I get an extra shirt? My mom's in town. Can I? All that, comp, they give it to you. That's what they're supposed to do. To a place where, honest to God, our locker room, game day locker room, was infested by crickets. <laughs> well, well, so you were, I mean, you said before, you were depressed and devastated at the time, and you were actually, I mean, for a while, literally, you know, crying yourself to sleep. Yes. Why? It was, it was, it was hard. It was. You know, you come from something, especially after they won a national championship. You know, it was like, oh my God, like, what, what, did, what, why am I here? You know what I'm saying? Like for so long, and even while I was at Florida, it was so trying because here I am, everything, I, I, I'm a person who knows, I know my role, right? And when I was at Florida, I was a backup quarterback. Now, when I, backup entails encouraging others and knowing that you're not going to play for so long in my life I was the guy and in my head I knew I'm the guy like why am I playing second fiddle to somebody but yet it that was one humbling and also I think I could play second fiddle to a Tim Tebow I mean God I mean won a Heisman Trophy, probably arguably one of the top 10 best players to ever play. So as I look back, it's like it wasn't that bad after all. So, uh, but during the time it was like, okay, like I'm playing behind Tebow. Um, I, I, I need my own identity. I need my own identity. And me going to junior college, it was like, okay, God, I said I need my own identity, but golly. <laughs> <laughs> Like I'm going to going to class and it's like oh bro like for the first couple of days I'm I didn't even have they had to clear somebody out of the dorm to move me in so I'm staying at my coach's house and he has three kids and I'm like I'm scared to literally wake up to use the restroom because you know one of the kids is like waking up and he's eating his graham crackers. Well, like mom. Well, well, well not, not only that. I mean, the social life had to be difficult too, because everybody yes. that went to Blinn for the most part lived in Texas. They went home on the weekends. Right. You don't even have a TV. Right. I, I think at the time. How much consideration did you give to quitting football then? Never thought about quitting. I always thought about how in the hell am I going to get up out of here. <laughs> a lot of that thought. Never thought about quitting. And um, what was the turning point? The turning point, I, I just gave myself, I kept giving myself confidence by, you know, I heard this quote once, and it was the five P's of success. And my father used to always tell me that. I'm like, Pop, I understand the five P's of success. Proper preparation prevents poor performances. I get that. Oh, she remember, son, proper preparation prevents poor performance. Yeah, I get it. Like, he would always tell me that. But that always kept flowing in my mind. I'm like, dude, when football season comes, I'm going to be the most prepared player ever, physically. And I would do my work mentally. And so on the weekends, while everybody would go home, I would always find time for myself to take my mental state somewhere different and say, I'm doing this because not tomorrow, not next week, but in a year, in two years, I will reap 
what I, what, what, what I sold. And I would work hard by myself. And there would be times where I'd be working out and everybody would be coming back, you know, loud, listening to bla blasting music. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, that's Cam. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> And I, here I am, I'm, you know, I'm on the field doing my little work, and it was like, dude, it's, it's all right. You, you may not understand now. I got a vision. I know my worth. And a person that is, 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 has a mental state that's powerful like that, it's no stopping them. So you win the Junior College National Championship. Yes, you then go to Auburn where you f finish out your college uh, f football right. career. I think it's September 25th, 2010. You have a five touchdown performance to for where Auburn beat South Carolina. Right. How did that game change your life? Well, prior to that game, I was just a normal guy. Yeah, like normal, like I could. A legend in your own mind though. Mm. A little bit, you had the vision. Uh, but I mean, it, it's some things that I'm thinking right now that I will never say, but Nora, there's some things that I could always think never will come out of my mouth. Right. Like, I always feel like I'm the best player on the field. But yeah, you know, if you said it now, I was like, bruh, really? It's nothing for somebody else's opinion. That's just how I mm -hmm. feel. Um, but for me, it was, it was that after that game, life changed completely. Um, how so? And that's when success really took off for me. Um, it was a national televised game. And the only thing I could remember was, I, they used to call me Scootin' Newton. <laughs> I used to drive around campus with a little scooter. <laughs> that, was, that was my right hand turning away. Left one didn't work. Got in a wreck, but that's another story. So, um, yeah, I can remember going home after the game, and my parents would always meet me because it was some limitations that a regular car had that a scooter didn't have. So I would be cutting through this, cutting through that, going through this hall, going through that one, doing this, doing that, and I came to Toomer's Corner. And when I say it was a 45-minute delay of standing ovations to people that was just excited, and it was, okay, now... I'm, I'm, I'm understanding why I worked so hard for not only this, but it meant so much to so many people. How unexpected was that when you got it there? It was after that particular point, everybody was started beginning to put undue pressure on me. Like, okay, Cam's the savior. Oh my God, he's this, he's that. I'm like, dude, I'm just Cam. Like, <laughs> if you slap me, it's gonna hurt me. <laughs> like, uh, easy, but it was, um, during that time, I knew, and, and then not only that, but even with class, like I would see, I knew where my class was, or everybody knew where my class was, because it would be people outside my class. I'm like, why? You know, and, and when I finally did go into class, I'm like, okay, extra credit. This week, uh, how many points does Auburn win by? I'm like, wow, really? <laughs> So the 2010 uh, Iron Bowl, uh, uh, Auburn's mm -hmm. down uh, against Alabama, 24 nothing at one point. Auburn ends up coming back, you guiding the team uh, to victory, the greatest comeback in Auburn's 100-plus year history. Right. But at that point, I mean, your chances at the Heisman's on the line, your team's chances at the national championships on the line. I was talking to one of my uh, friends yesterday who's a prominent football broadcaster, and he called that game, the greatest college football game he's ever seen. Right. What do you recall? Well, it was everything that you stated, it was something that's bigger than that. Uh, Auburn 
versus Alabama is the greatest rival in all the sports. On and Alabama's home turf on in only, Tuscaloosa. Only reason why I say that, it's not getting a lot of publicity because usually it's, it's not even. And why I say that, Alabama's always been more stouter than Auburn has. And when Auburn beats Alabama, it's kind of like, wow, you know, they beat them. But yet, for so long, that rivalry has been of existence. And Alabama, that's all you got. You got Alabama football, you got Auburn football. That's their professional, that's their college, that's their everything. That's their alpha and omega. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> It, it is, it begins and ends with that. So during that game, my mentality was, and, and what Coach Chiswick, the head coach at Auburn at the time, what he did was, was cool that week. He brought another person in, either from in, in the NFL or a random person to tell or to show the importance of what this game means to them. And here I am, you know, city boy from Atlanta, you know, I've been to University of Florida where you get the games like Miami versus Florida. I've been to that one. Florida State, Florida, been to that one. Georgia, Florida, been to that one. And it's like nothing, nothing was compared to this game leading up to it due to the fact that so many people was so emotional uh, about the outcome because, number one, this is the only game that's going on in that state that particular day, one. And honestly, if a person can start on one side of the state and end at another side of the state going 200 miles per hour, I don't think that person would get a ticket that day while that game is on. Because <laughs> everybody is still made it listening to the game or you're looking at the game. That's how important that game is. How would you describe the general environment that day and just the hostility and vitriol that was directed your way? Well, it was, it was pretty intense. It was, um, yeah, it was pretty intense, but for safety reasons, for safety reasons, for that game, we have a, what we call a tiger walk, and home or away, this is a chance for the fans, or the, the it's kind of like a semi-pep rally for the players going into the stadium to kind of get your juices going. So, you know, you touch the players, you know, hey, babe, what's going on? Hey, sweet. hey, what's going on? Yeah, mom, hey, oh, uh, yeah, what's up, pop? Yeah, boom. Brother, what's going on? Boom, you're doing this secret handshake, doing all that, boom. But this game, they said, no, no Tiger Walk. Because it was, as we was approaching the, 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 the uh, stadium, the bus was rocking. I'm like, man, how much does this bus weigh? Yeah. God, leave the bus rocking. You know, you get in, you know, some unique sign languages directed at the bus. <laughs> uh, a couple, you know, uh, we wasn't hungry, but a couple food was thrown. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was, it was just, you know, as some people say, it just got real, real quick. So for us, it was, it, it was impossible for us to do it. It's such a hostility game. And for that, that year, that was the first year in a long time that both teams was playing for something. And we was number two or one at the time ranked in the nation, and they were uh, top ten. So they would had hopes to make it to the SEC championship. We had hopes to make it to the SEC championship, and that made the game even better. Right. You not only win that game, you end up winning the national championship. Months after that, the right. NFL draft, which is years of just hard work, blood, sweat, and tears finally paying off. Obviously, you're drafted uh, number one. But you said um, you were scarred leading up to the draft by just some of the things in the media. What got to you the most? Uh, 
the threats on, on, on a person who you've known as long as you've known yourself. The person who honestly will give you the last breath just to see you live 10 more minutes longer. A uh, person who sacrificed so much so I could have Christmas presents, kept the lights on, things that I didn't even, even appreciate. You know, they were working extra hard. When my father was slandered in the media, it was devastating for me. But this tells the type of man that, that, that he is, somebody had to take the brunt of the blow for me to, to play. And, you know, my father said, you know what, whatever you have to do, let my son play, I do it. You know, and, and for him to be such a, a, a man of, of, of good standards, you know, being raised in the church, uh, for him, and it's so much that, that, that was shown for us, for me, as my, with my family, because, you know, during the trying times, you really see who your real friends are. And I'm happy to say, I'm glad that trying time happened before I got paid. <laughs> because by the, the, by the time I signed with, uh, you know, Carolina Panthers, it was easy to be, hey, bro, don't even come. No, dude. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you, you too. Uh-uh, stay away. Uh-uh, and so keep out too. Boom. It was everything, you know, kind of cleared up and, and showed his way. Thank you very much for doing this. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to my chat with Cam Newton. Head over to YouTube.com/slash/GrahamBensinger to see more from the live interview. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can help others discover us by taking a moment to rate and review. Thanks again for listening.